In the crowded SD-WAN market, don't overlook Open Systems, a packet pusher's sponsor. Open Systems brings security, automation, and expert management to let you focus on other aspects of your network. Get visibility, flexibility, and control combined with performance, simplicity, and security with SD-WAN from Open Systems. To find out more, go to www.open-systems.com packetpushers. If you do, you can get a free beanie and Gartner report on the economics of SD-WAN. That's www.open-systems.com slash packetpushers. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Lowe. Thanks for listening today. My goal with the episode, as always, is to equip listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and public or private cloud environments. We're going to do that by uh, talking with a special guest. I'll introduce uh, our guest in just a moment. We're going to talk about a particular technology, and we'll talk about how that technology fits into the bigger picture of the technologies and the projects and products that you're working with. Uh, Joining me, my special guest today, Yasmin Rajabi with Puppet who's going to talk with me about a relatively new um, project that Puppet's been working on called Bolt. So, Yasmin, good afternoon. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. So, um, Yasmin, before we get started talking about Bolt, and I'm actually looking forward to uh, today's episode because I've seen a few references to Bolt, but haven't been able to find like a, a great deal of good in-depth information, so I'm, I'm very... Uh, like my listeners, I'm curious. I already want to know more about it. But before we do that, uh, would you mind just sharing with the listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be where you are today and working on Bolt and all that? Cool. Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. And uh, yeah, so my journey was an interesting one. Um, I started out as a developer at a large e-commerce company. Um, we sold office supplies, so you could probably guess where that is. Uh Soon after that, I went into operations there and I was in SRE uh, for a couple of years. And I previously to Puppet, I was SRE manager there and we were working on some open source uh, tools and kind of rebuilding some of our internal tooling with open source. And I got really excited about it. We use Puppet as well. And I wanted to come work at Puppet, but I wanted to move into product management and kind of see the product side of things. Uh, so about two years ago, I moved from Boston to Portland, Oregon, and I started at Puppet. It's been a lot of fun since I've been here, and most recently, I've been working on the Bolt project, and that was released uh, a li- almost two years ago, and it went 1.0 last October. So we're really excited about it inside the company. Um, we're excited that it's open source. Uh, it's brought a lot of community involvement as well. So we're really excited to talk about it. Awesome. So that's, uh, that's interesting, like, you know, moving from one side of the country to the other and moving from a, from a technical role into, you know, not quite as technical, still obviously very involved with the, with the, uh, the technology, but in a slightly different fashion. Um, so I, I may hit you up for, you know, doing a, a career shift episode at some point in the future if you're up for it. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. It was, it was a pretty big change, but I'm really happy I made it. Excellent. Good. 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 That's 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 what we want to hear when people make uh, technology or, or career shifts, and then they they're happy with the shift. Um, 
Okay, but let's let's we're not talking about that yet. That'll, that'll be a future episode, listeners. So so stay tuned for that. Um, so Bolt, you said it's been around for a couple of years. Just went one zero last October. Um, new open source project um, being primarily driven by by Puppet. Um, why don't you give us the like the thirty thousand review? What is what is this project intended to do? And you know what's the overview here? So Bolt is, I mentioned earlier, it's open source, um, but it's essentially an agentless task runner. Uh, it lets you make changes across your uh, targets, whether it's like infrastructure or API endpoints, whatever it is. Uh, you can connect with like commodity transports, SSH and WinRM. Uh, you can connect, we have some remote transports to kind of target remote infrastructure. Uh, we have a Docker transport. So it really just depends on what you're trying to target. Um, but the goal of Bolt and why we kind of built it was basically Puppet has always been really good at, you know, telling your systems to be a certain way. Um, but it wasn't very good at telling them to do a certain thing. Um, and that's where Bolt comes in. And we had a lot of our users coming to us of saying, hey, like, I need to do this. I'd like to use one tool um, or I need to do this and I'm using another tool, but I would like to use something within the Puppet landscape. Um, and so Bolt started out. and. Uh, the goal from the beginning has been to make it super easy to get started with without like any existing puppet knowledge, without any prerequisites like installing agents or installing any extra software. The goal is really to make it super easy to get started right from your laptop. Um, and we use all the learnings we've had with Puppet um, and we make use of all of the like the community, uh, the forge, all the content there. That's all able to be reused within the Bolt ecosystem. But you don't actually need to know anything about Puppet to get started with the tool. And uh, that's kind of, I think, where a lot of the power is, that it's super extensible. Um, one of the benefits is that you can reuse existing like scripts that you have or uh, continue to work in languages you're familiar with. So if you're a Python developer and you want to write your tasks in Python, you can do that. Uh, if you're just starting out and Bash is what's most comfortable for you, then you can do that as well. Or like if you're in the Windows world and you love PowerShell, that's totally cool. And uh, the goal of Bolt is really to just help people that are getting started stick with something they're familiar with and invest, invest on top of that as they need to. And with that, you can automate really simple tasks or you can take complex workflows. Bolt supports a thing called plans, which, which is essentially just an ordered set of steps that have logic in between. Um, and really that goal is to take all the complex things you need to do and simplify it to something that you can trigger right from your laptop. Okay. So would it be fair to say that, you know, like I, I have some history with Puppet. I used Puppet uh, years ago. Um, and, and the learning curve, like this is not a knock or anything, but the learning curve for Puppet was like, it was kind of steep, right? At that time anyway. Um, it may have gotten better now. Um, but, um, you know, Puppet, as you mentioned, is super, super great for like, you know, the declarative model, like, you know, be this way, right? Um, and, and it sounds like Bolt just adds sort of the imperative side of that. So, you know, like two, two sides of the same coin, so to speak, right? Not only using a tool like Puppet to say, be this way, but you might also have a need to say, do this thing. And that's what Bolt is really intended to address. Exactly. Um, and often people have to make a trade-off on like, if they want to do mostly imperative automation or mostly declarative automation, and you can't really make that trade-off. Sometimes you need to do one, sometimes you need to do the other. So that's where Bolt comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, there's certainly been times when, when I've had to automate something for, uh, you know, 
one of my customers in my in my day job and I'm like okay well I could do it this way and then I have to wrestle around this whole declarative model and I have to do hacks and whatever DSL they're using you know to do this one off thing that I need to do or I could just you know like use some sort of automation tool that just runs something you know and then uh, so yeah there's there, as you pointed out there's those trade offs between you know a pure imperative environment or a pure declarative environment and so having two tools that maybe sounds like, and we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit. sounds like you might be able to sort of like pull from, you know, a common sort of set of tools or something, right. From, from both between Bolt and Puppet. Um, what are you guys seeing in terms of what are people doing with this? I mean, what are some of the things that you really see people saying, okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using Bolt to do this. And I don't know if you, if you have that sort of visibility into how people are using the project or not. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, one of the most common things is something that like, it's funny that it's still a very common problem people have, but just patching. Um, vendors will come out with new patches and uh, people have to deploy that out. Sometimes they're using just basic scripts, but those scripts can be brittle. So knowing, like validating whether it was successful or not, or um, building some workflow to do patching, but where you can share it with someone else to do it. So you might write that and then hand it off to another team member to actually go run that. Um, and that's very common. Uh, we see people writing bolt plans to do uh, operating system level patching, uh, where first step is go patch the system. Second step is validate it. Third step might be like restart it and then uh, send a notification somewhere. Uh, that's pretty common. Um, another one we see is like just basic application deployments where uh, there's multiple steps in like touching a load balancer, uh, actually deploying out the app, um, doing a health check. And where it all needs to happen in a certain order. What's cool about Bolt is that you can use scripts you might already have to do that and kind of just get more robust um, logic in between that and kind of have the error handling for when things go wrong. Or you can use Forge content um, that's just off the shelf to kind of deploy out new uh, tech stacks. So we had a webinar podcast thing with VMware a couple months ago where uh, as a fun experiment, we had the developers use Bolt to deploy out a Grafana, Influx, and Telegraph stack, and they had no experience in those. They just went to the Forge, copy-pasted some code that existed, and then could quickly provision and um, set up that entire stack without actually having to be experts inside that technology. So that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds really uh, really interesting. So um, I, I want to make a comparison real quick, and I know, you know sometimes vendors um, and, and projects don't like necessarily being compared to each other. But just to help folks wrap their head around this set of terminology, would it be fair to say that Bolt plans could be considered similar to like Ansible playbooks, in that it is a set of, and I'm not saying that they're equal, but just like roughly the same kind of thing. There will be advantages and disadvantages to both sides. Uh, but you know, just in terms of saying, here's a list of things that I want you to go do, and then being able to have some logic, like this thing will do it when this when this condition is true, or if this other condition fails, or whatever the case may be. Is that a, is that a reasonable comparison for people who might be trying to wrap their head around what Bolt and, and Bolt plans are? Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Uh, we often get compared to Ansible, and I think both tools have their merits. It comes down to the preference of what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty common comparison. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and I, I agree, like, you know, there's always advantages and disadvantages to every technology, right? So um, it's, it's, it's coming down to, you know, what, what is your preference? What is your prior experience? You know, what makes the most sense for the problems that you're trying to solve right, right at that particular time, that sort of thing. So you said, uh, you know, like no, no prior puppet 
knowledge required? Do do folks write plans in in like I know Puppet had its own DSL. Do you do they have to use that or can they use you know something else? I know YAML is like all the rage these days. So yeah, uh, so we have two kind of languages uh, that you can write plans in. The first one is a Puppet DSL, um, and it's a lot more robust. Like you get a full language for um, writing all the logic you want and. What we've seen is people that are doing more complex things, um, it's a lot easier to portray what they're trying to do within a language. Uh, so we've seen a lot of uh, success there. But uh, on the other hand, like some people are just getting started and they want YAML and they want to put a list of steps and have it go run. And so we support that as well. Um, and really like the goal of Bolt is to be super flexible and meet people where they are instead of forcing them to learn what our tool does, I, you mentioned the kind of steep learning curve of Puppet. Uh, we totally get that. And the, the benefit of Bolt is we've learned from all of that and we can build that right into the tool where we don't have to give you that upfront complexity. Um, and we can take the learnings we had and make it a lot simpler. And really like you're only investing in learning something new because you want to go do something new or maybe you want to do something more effectively but you don't have to learn it until you really need to. Gotcha. Okay. And then, I mean, it's, it's great that, um, you know, that you guys are taking sort of lessons learned with, you know, previous efforts, right. And saying, okay, you know, what was the, what was the weakness or the, you know, the, the potential disadvantage of this and how can we address that and how can we make the product more flexible? And I'm a huge fan of like, you know, composable tools where I can, I can take a tool and put it into another tool chain and, and and maybe you know swap out something else with that new tool um, where possible, um, so that I can kind of optimize my, my my you know my pipeline, if you will, for different tasks. Right, and it may make more sense to do so. You know, this tool here or that tool there, and having this sort of you know very composable tool is is typically very helpful in that regard. So you mentioned, uh, I think the term you used was uh, transports. Right, is that? Uh, the the means by where Bolt connects to its targets. Yep, exactly. Right, okay, and so you you're using SSH on the you know the Linux Unix world, WinRM on the Windows world. Um, but I didn't catch you. You mentioned you had some other transports as well, like uh, there was a Docker transport, and then maybe a transport for like network equipment. Did I hear that right? Yep, we kind of just call it our remote transport. So uh, it works with a lot of our existing content that we have on the on our Puppet Forge. Um, and so it connects out to whatever it needs to do remotely. Um, and whether it's like a Palo Alto firewall or something, um, it'll connect out to it and run the content that you need. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, and is that, um, is that content, is that something that like, you know, the, the destination, you know, target has to provide, I mean, like is Palo Alto to use your example, are they supplying, you know, like modules or or something, or it's just whatever language you would normally use to manipulate that device, Bolt's just going to pass that off and say, okay, here you go. Uh, it's a little bit of both. So uh, the, on the Palo Alto uh, perspective, a vendor can go write their own content and provide that and just put it on the Forge so someone doesn't have to write it from scratch. Uh, in this case, we actually wrote that uh, module, like Puppet wrote it, um, but someone can take just content that they write themselves and use it as well. We also, I didn't mention this earlier, but we have a local transport, which is essentially like just running on my local machine um, and target whatever I need. So that's a, another way people can target things as well. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, what are, what are folks doing with the, with the Docker transport? I mean, you're using Bolt to like help, you know, build Docker containers or, or, you know, spawn Docker containers or what? 
Um, so this one was actually, we added the support for the transport because of another tool we have um, called Litmus. And it's essentially a testing tool for public code. Um, and one of the steps they do is just provision some Docker containers. So uh, we added this functionality for that. Um, but it turned out to be more useful. So uh, it is a way that users can kind of connect out using the Docker transport. I don't have a specific what someone's done with it yet. Um, we have like some analytics on just if people are using transports, but we don't get that deep because, you know, privacy. But that's a that's how we were using it internally in our other tools. So it kind of originated, you know, you needed to spin up some containers to do some testing. And so you wrote this transport and now people can find other ways of using it. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of my time in the container space. That's why I was curious to know, like, you know, how people might be be leveraging this. But I, I totally get that one of the challenges with uh, open source can be understanding how customers are using it. When when people ask, like, oh, how are people using this? Well, I'm not really sure. You know, we have some telemetry that says they're using it, but we don't really know exactly what they're doing with it. Yeah, it it's difficult. But uh, one of the things we try and do is use our Slack channel. Uh, it's a pretty good community. Like, uh, there's people on there every day. Um, and they'll share use cases. Sometimes we'll ask specifically of like, hey, how are you using this? But you're right. Like, it's hard to get how people are using it without going out and like proactively asking. Yeah, for sure. So so now that we have an idea of kind of, you know, what Bolt is and, and what it isn't and, and what some of the use cases are, um, you know, where where do you see Bolt like having particular strengths? I, I know you've mentioned, you know, one of the design principles for Bolt was to to be flexible and meet users where they are. Um, but I w I'm curious, you know, like, um, where do you see, is there, and maybe there isn't because this is a, you know, pretty, I don't want to say it's a broad tool. I mean, it's very focused, like it's focused on doing this, but it has a pretty broad set of like, you know, things you could do with it. Right. But I was wondering if there's maybe like a sweet spot where you say, Hey, you know, people need to typically do this. You mentioned patching, um, that you find bolt is like really, really good at, at solving that problem. I want to help listeners kind of provide a, a mental framework, if you will, to say, okay, you know, I, I have this problem in my data center. Does that make sense to evaluate Bolt for, you know, problem X um, based on your knowledge of the product and, you know, experience with other users putting it to work in their environments? Uh, one thing people have been really successful with Bolt is like rationalizing their scripts. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, scripts have been around forever, but uh, they haven't gone away yet. And the reality that we see is so many people are like you get uh, sysadmins being handed scripts from other teams and told like, hey, run these for me, they'll work. And like half the time they don't. Um, and then they might have some existing investments that like they don't want to run as a script, but they might want to add a, a little bit additional investment to make it more shareable. And that's where uh, Bolt's been really helpful for people of taking the scripts they already have and adding a little metadata to it to convert it to what we call a task. So that means it can take inputs. Um, you can define what the inputs are. Uh, you can give it a little description. So it's really like leveling up what they're getting started with. And um, oftentimes those scripts, because they have to run in a certain order, there needs to be some kind of validation and logic. And Bolt makes that really simple. A lot of those, a lot of like the error handling just comes out of the box. Uh, so that's where we've seen a ton of success of people saying, okay, I want to do automation. I'm not fully ready to go 100% declarative, um, but I have a bunch of scripts and I want to kind of do something a little better. And that's where we start bringing them on the journey. 
And once they get a little value out of that and they see that it worked, uh, one of the common things is people will go to the forge to get content, like I mentioned earlier. But what's cool about that is that if they use any puppet content and they're applying it in an imperative fashion, but the code is declarative, they can take that same exact code they're using and then just use it within puppet for ongoing enforcement. And so you're not having to relearn something. You just, you did it once, you might've done it a few times from your laptop, and then you can choose to kind of flip the switch and enforce it ongoing without really learning that entire mental model up front. I agree with you with the, with the whole scripts thing, by the way. I don't, I don't think they're ever going to go away. Let's take a break from our show to talk about Open Systems, one of our sponsors here on the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. Open Systems provides secure SD-WAN to the world. That means your company can grow globally without having to choose among security, scale, or simplicity. Open Systems wants you to have it all and to save money over traditional WAN vendors who don't care about you while you do it. Imagine that. Give money back to the business so that they can grow. Reduce that global WAN budget line item and at the same time, build a WAN that doesn't suck with a vendor that wants you to succeed. With Open Systems, you get their integration of best-of-breed SD-WAN with security. Open Systems describes this as embedded security at every layer of your network, edge to edge. At the same time, it's easy to operate their SD-WAN through automation that even has a bit of artificial intelligence helping out. And if AI doesn't impress you, well, hey, you get access to humans too. That's right, real people that can help make your WAN as good as it can be. On the front end, you can partner with Open Systems SD-WAN experts to design, architect, and even manage your wide area network. And on the back end, network and security engineers follow the sun to help resolve issues quickly in more than 180 countries. Open Systems delivers the visibility, flexibility, and control you really want with the performance, simplicity, and security you absolutely need in your network. Request a free assessment by going to their website at www.open-systems.com slash packetpushers. There, you can request a stylish Open Systems beanie and download a Gartner report on the economics of SD-WAN. Open Systems, the network for growth, zero compromise. www.open-systems.com slash packetpushers. And now back to our show. Would it, would it be fair to say, like, it, it can be difficult in certain scripting languages? to add some level of idempotence to, to a script. You're like, you know, in bash, obviously you can, you know, do various tests and, and do something only if, you know, something else doesn't exist, you know, to create a directory only if it doesn't exist or, or copy a file over if it only if it doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but that can add a, a fair amount of complexity to, to these scripts. Um, and then you run into, you know, bashisms, uh, you know, things that don't translate well across various versions and platforms. Um, I heard you mention, you know, like sometimes when, when, when people decide they're going to run their scripts using Bolt, they can put some of that logic in some of it, maybe not, not necessarily all of it, but some of that logic into Bolt so that they add a, a certain level of intelligence to the script without necessarily having to vastly rewrite the script. Does that sound, am I, am I hearing you correctly yep. or? It's just a JSON file where you can define all of that. And then it goes alongside the uh, script. And then that's when we start calling it a task and uh, people will upload those to the forge. Uh, they'll share them within their team members. Um, and now it's like reusable because you can actually see what inputs are defined, like some more information. It's not just some script that you kind of pulled off and ran. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's a, pretty straightforward way of saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to add, you know, reusability 
I guess is, is a reasonable term, to some of my scripts without necessarily having to re-architect my scripts from scratch to be that way. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That sounds that sounds super handy. And you know, uh, we we made the the brief comparison to Ansible earlier. Um, you know, in that you, you can you can put together a list of you know tasks that you want to run and then you know run them in a particular order and have some logic around that. Um, but it sounds like you know one one super handy piece would be if you're using the right sort of content from Forge that you could translate that into a set of puppet manifests without a whole lot of effort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you can literally just take that puppet code and within an apply block uh, in Bolt, you can apply it. Um, and what Bolt does is it makes sure the proper like puppet libraries are installed on the end node. Uh, it'll collect some facts and then it'll apply the puppet code. And um, you can see exactly how that would be affected onto your end, uh, end nodes. And then that same piece of code, you can check it in and uh, deploy it out to your Puppet deployment as well, and then just enforce it ongoing. Gotcha. So you could use Bolt as like a, you know, a test bed, so to speak. You know, hey, run this piece of code and tell me what it's going to do. Okay, it did exactly what I expected to do. Now I'm going to check it into my Puppet manifest and then have a Puppet go out and roll that out across your fleet or, you know, the appropriate systems. Yeah, exactly. We see that used a lot. And uh, we also see Bolt being used as a easier way to do masterless Puppet. So uh, people who don't want to have a centralized server, um, they can do use Puppet in a masterless way using Bolt. And that makes it a lot easier. So when you're using Bolt to test or apply this, this Puppet code, it typically requires an agent on there. Does, does Bolt like bypass that agent or is it like dynamically pushing the agent on, doing what it needs to do, pulling it off or... I mean, how is that working on the back end? Yeah, so it does something similar. Uh, there's an apply step block where uh, it'll install like the puppet libraries that you need. Um, and then it'll also ha- run a step to collect facts to kind of make decisions on what it should apply. And then that way, like you don't have to actually, you can, if you want, install the agents to use the puppet code. Um, but if you don't want to do that, we can kind of bake that into with it uh, when you use puppet code. But if you're writing kind of tasks that are non-puppet code, you don't need to do that at all. Okay. Are there other um, dependencies on the target system? Like I know uh, Ansible has a dependency on Python, right? And so there used to be, I think they may have straightened those out challenges with Python versions as the community was transitioning from Python 2 to Python 3. Um, Are there dependencies for Bolt on the far end or does it sort of dynamically push out what it needs? Um, for Bolt, it's more, uh, it's just an executable. So as long as there's some interpreter on that end for whatever that language is that you uh, wrote your task in, then uh, it should work. And if not, then you can use Bolt to go out and actually do that. Okay. So if you're using Bolt to execute, you know, a script that you wrote and the script's in Python, obviously the target system has to have Python. If you wrote it in Ruby, the target system has to have Ruby. If you wrote it in Bash, then they need to have Bash or PowerShell exactly. or whatever the case may be. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, it sounds, you know, uh, you know, pretty, pretty lightweight from that regard. Is that, is that the feedback you're getting from, you know, from the users who are adopting Bolt? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and we kind of wanted to take that approach of, uh, with Puppet, there's a couple steps you have to do before you can get started, like set up your master, set up your agent, set up all the code. Uh, but with Bolt, we really want it to be just as easy as installed on your laptop. And then as long as you have the SSH keys um, or credentials to kind of log in, then you can get started. Cool. Um, so I know when you and I were talking before we, we got started on the um, podcast, we, you were um, 
correcting me and, and, and clarifying, you know, like we wouldn't, we didn't necessarily call Bolt a, a configuration management system, but instead you would be more of like a task orchestration or automation system. Right. And, um, I can certainly see the distinction. Like once you once you said that, I was like, oh yes, of course that makes sense, right? But for for the listeners, like, why would you? I mean, is that distinction you know kind of academic, if you will, right? Or, or is there a, a deeper point that um, folks who might be looking at Bolt need to understand before they before they start using it? That you know, like something that shapes how they think about it. I think it's a little bit academic. Um, you definitely can do config management things with Bolt, and it's something that people will do. Um, but that's also what Puppet's really good at. And uh, when you're kind of talking about config management, if you have settings you want to enforce and keep a certain way, then you want to make sure that that system doesn't change and you can continuously enforce it. And that's what Puppet's really good at. And that's where we see people using um, our like all of our tools, Bolt and Puppet, together to do those things. Um, but there are environments where maybe, uh, they're short lived and you only need to set up something once and you don't need to kind of enforce it ongoing and bolts perfect for that. Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of times in technology and, and, um, you know, I do this too, like we get into an area and we, we, you know, we want to point out sort of these, these fairly fine grained distinctions between things, right? Sometimes those distinctions are, are, are super important. Like they shape how you think about a technology and how you approach a particular technology. And sometimes, you know, it's just like, it's just us being a little academic, which is okay, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I just wanted to make sure that like, you know, as, as folks are looking at Bolt, um, you know, should they be thinking about it in a particular way to ensure that they are getting the most out of it? But it sounds like, you know, as long as you understand that there's, there's a, a pretty tremendous amount of flexibility here in terms of what they do with it, and um, the sort of tools that they are going to use with it, you know, whether it be some scripts or some code off of Forge or whatever the case may be, um, then, you know, they're, they're pretty much, you know, good to go. They can just jump in and, and, and start using it right away. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, cool. Um, so for, for someone who is, like, totally new to, to this sort of space, right, um, what, would, what would you recommend? Like, I, I know that one of the design goals based on your, on your conversation here is that you want it both to be easy to use, right. To, to my previous point, like just jump in and get started. Um, what would, you know, is, is there something else that newcomers who are totally new to bolt, is there something else they should do or know, or, you know, understand before they, they take a look at it or. Uh, so we have a kind of hands-on lab to walk people through, uh, their first steps. Like it starts out, uh, how to build an inventory file and, um, how to run some basic commands using bolt. And, um, that's something that we can share out. It's just on our GitHub. Um, and it walks people through that. So I think that's a really great place for people that are just getting started to kind of get their feet wet, um, and see how it is. And because it's supposed to be super easy, kind of the experience, isn't very different whether you're just getting started or you're more experienced. It might affect what things you do first. So someone just getting started might run some commands um, or some scripts they already have, but maybe a more advanced programmer might dive into writing some robust plans and kind of using Bolt to orchestrate a bunch of changes within their environment. But we want to just make sure that there's something for everyone in Bolt, and no matter where you're starting in that journey, uh, we're kind of there to take you each step and the hands-on lab is a perfect way to do that. Okay, perfect. Listeners, I'll, I'll include the, the link. I'll get it from Yasmin and include the link to the 
hands-on lab in the show notes so that uh, you have that in case you want to go uh, take Bolt for a spin and, and take a look at some of the concepts uh, that are involved. Um, you know, invariably, anytime I talk about um, automation orchestration tools, there are some use cases that make sense and some use cases that, that don't. And one of the ones that I, I talk about a lot um, when I'm helping people sort of understand, you know, which tool is appropriate, right, is saying, and and it'll feel like I'm, I'm picking on Ansible here, but I'm not. It's like, you know, you can use Ansible to turn up an EC2 instance on AWS, right? But it's not necessarily like the best way of doing that um, yeah. because, you know, Ansible doesn't have any sort of concept of, of state um, and knowing, okay, this is the thing that I just created, right? It, it's, um, I, I don't know, like, do you, do you find like Bolt, given the way it's architected, would have sort of that same limitation, you know, or is there something different perhaps about the way Bolt is done that, would bypass that. And, and it's okay if it does. I mean, like, that's just, you know, it's just the nature of understanding how to best use the tools that are in front of you for the things you're trying to accomplish. Yep. Uh, so this is actually something that we've kind of talked about at length internally, but um, currently don't do. Uh, because Bolt was built on a lot of puppet principles, it is fairly easy for it to be state aware um, and have that built in. Uh, it's something we've talked about as like a roadmap thing to help people out. Um, but another kind of example of if you want to provision some EC2 instances, you can use Terraform with Bolt. And we have a blog post uh, on how to do that, where kind of Terraform handles those first steps and then uh, Bolt handles the second steps. Another thing we're actively working on is a more dynamic inventory where you can just kind of plug into a Terraform state file um, and do all of your day two management things. So it is similar to Ansible in that way, where uh, state is something that you need to kind of be careful how you're using it. But it is also an area where I think we could in the future uh, help people out a lot there. And I mean, it's, it's you know, like I said, it, it's not a, a knock against, you know, Bolt or, or Ansible in that regard. It's just recognizing, you know, that when 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 you create a tool and, and you have this set of design principles or this goal for this tool in mind, right, there are always going to be trade-offs against you know, things that it's going to do very, very well and things that at least initially, right, it, it may not do quite as well. Um, and that's okay, right? Um, I think the the integration with, with Terraform is is interesting. Like I haven't found a good a good way, um, and I might be missing. So listeners, if you, I might be missing something. So listeners, if you know of a good way, right? But I, I haven't ever found a good way to like do, to have Ansible hook into a Terraform state file, right? Um, and so if you guys have something like that with Bolt, I think that would be super useful. Um, to to be able to say, okay, go go provision, you know, some some things, whatever, right? You know, Azure instances or AWS instances or whatever the case may be, and then have that state there, you know, to be able to track, and then have you know, Bolt to be able to reach into that and say, okay, here's here's the set of things that are the targets that I'm going to work against, right? That would be that would be handy. Yeah, uh, so that's definitely a work in progress for us right now, but it is a like live work in progress. So uh, I'll send out the Slack channel, but if people are interested in like being a part of that, giving us feedback on what they would like to see. We would love to see it. Um, so that would be a really good Slack discussion as well. For sure. That would be great. I, I would love um, to include the link uh, to the uh, to the Slack team in, or the Slack community in, in the show notes um, so that folks who are interested, um, you know, maybe they're current Puppet users and they'd love to see, you know, where Bolt can supplement what they're doing with Puppet um, or plug into other, you know, other solutions, right? Um. So, uh, you know, we're, we're 
coming up towards the end of, of our, you know, self-imposed uh, time limit for the podcast, um, as we're kind of getting ready to wrap up, I was wondering, Yasmin, you know, like, uh, are, are there any sort of, you know, final thoughts or suggestions or recommendations that you might make to the listeners who, you know, may be interested in exploring uh, Bolt or, uh, you know, looking at task automation orchestration? You can even, you know, kind of like take a step back from, you know, Bolt specifically and just say, hey, on a broader scale, these are the things that, you know, I see in the industry and, and you know, kind of the bigger challenges and, and that sort of thing, if, if that makes sense here. Yeah, um, I think what I've seen is that, um, especially for people that are getting started, there's just so many options out there that it can be really daunting, especially when you have to now learn kind of a new way to do things, um, new tools to do them. You're probably being told like, hey, we got to go do all these like new cloud initiatives or whatever it is. And um, it can be a lot in the beginning, but what I would just say is take it one step at a time. Um, there's a lot of good tools out there. Obviously, I'm a little biased with Bolt, but they will walk you through each step. Um, and kind of our goal is not necessarily for you to love the tool itself, which, I mean, we would want that, but really enjoy the job you're trying to do and whatever that automation problem is you're trying to solve. Enjoy doing that piece of it. and hopefully our tool makes it a little easier. If not, maybe someone else's tool, whatever it is. But as long as you take it one step at a time, then you can get to that fully automation, like end, fully automated uh, end goal. Um, and then the other thing I would say that is more Bolt specific is that it because it's open source, we really want to have this be a community driven tool. Uh, we talk about our decisions on Slack. Uh, we get feedback there. Um, we love pull requests. Uh, I think it's really a, from the puppet perspective, uh, we want it to be a fully community based tool. Um, and anything, whether it's feedback or people want to work on it, uh, they'd like us to solve new problems. Like just let us know. We're really open to that. that that's good to hear. Cause I mean, like, you know, there's, I, I won't uh, stray too far down the, you know, people using open source in sort of like calling it open source, but it not really being, you know, open source, right. Um, open source in name and, and in license, but like, you know, it's, it's not, you're not encouraging people to be involved. Um, so I don't need to go down that route, but it's good to hear, um, that you guys are approaching it in that way. And I think that's from, from my perspective, I think that's the the best, um, best way in the long term to, to certainly approach, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I really appreciate your, your suggestion to the, to the listeners, you know, to take it one step at a time. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I do the podcast is to be able to, because there are so many options, there's no way, obviously I can cover all the various options, but I like to at least, you know, give people some, some sort of mental framework to say, okay, this is where this fits in compared to that. And this is how I can get started. And at least, you know, these are the kinds of problems that I can solve with it and, and perhaps help folks, um, along their journey, just because as IT professionals, we do, we have to, we're in a constant state of change, right? I think we're constantly learning, constantly changing, constantly growing. So anything that I can do to help that, um, stop streamline that process is, is kind of what I'm, what I'm shooting for here. So, uh, so thanks for that. Um, I, I do agree with you, you know, take it one step at a time, be focused on what you're trying to do. Don't get overwhelmed, right? Um, you can, uh, you can absolutely get there. Um, and there's plenty of folks out there, not just on my podcast, but plenty of other podcasts and blogs and, and all of that, that, that will help, uh, help you along the way. So great. All right. So Yasmin, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Are there any sort of, um, uh, 
uh, online, uh, you know, contact info you'd, you'd like to share. I don't know if you're a Twitter user or anything like that, or uh, if, if there is, you know, great. Feel free to share it now. If not, that's okay too. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter name is Yasmin with two N's X13. So it's Y-A-S-M-I-N-N-X13. Feel free to reach out about Bolt. I'd be happy to tell you more. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you can search the hashtag Puppet Bolt where other users have kind of shared how they're using it. Uh, there's a lot of cool use cases on there. Um, and if you want to get started, it's just puppet.com slash get bolt. Um, and let us know what you think. Great. Oh, and, and one, one question I want to ask you, if, if folks are interested in providing feedback on GitHub, on the GitHub project, I'm assuming they can just go like open an issue or whatever the case there. Yeah. And we have a lot of things that are uh, tagged help wanted if people want to get started and some more easier things. Thank you, Yasmin, so much. I, I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show, talking about Bolt. I think um, there's uh, certainly uh, a lot of use cases where where listeners could find this uh, useful, and um, and and you're plugging it into other tools that they may have in their in their tool belt. Uh, listeners, thanks again for joining us um, on the Full Stack Journey podcast. I hope that our conversation today uh, gave you some information that was useful. I always try to focus on providing uh, you know real practical. Uh, information um, instead of, you know, just talking high level vague terms, but try and be very, very, uh, very real, very practical about our conversation. So hopefully something that we talked about today is going to be useful. If you'd like to reach out uh, to me, feel free to do so. You can reach the podcast Twitter account at FSJ podcast on Twitter. You can reach out to me, Scott Lowe, your host uh, directly at Scott underscore Lowe on Twitter. Um, and uh, if you're interested in following my, my, uh, my technical blog, blog.scottlow.org. And uh, as always, the, the show will be published via all the, the usual mechanisms and um, show notes and stuff will be available on packetpushers.net. So thanks again, everyone, and uh, have a great day. Mm-hmm.